Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I'll transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Just stone cold set up. If you're gonna blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Rod, what's your sword through over there? Random notes. Yeah, okay. random notes. I always sort through random notes, man, before yes. the show. Rod and I roll with notes. Yeah, see, Matt's the same way. I'm the same <laughs> way, dude. You got to get a good idea or a good thought and write it down or a good stat. And write it's it like down. our right. own personal computer. It's like that yeah, Zoolander man. thing. Uh, you got to go get the files in the computer. Yeah, well, yeah. sometimes you got to have the hard copy. Exactly. And sometimes I sort through it. I'll memorize it and I can throw stuff away. But other than that, dude, I got to I gotta have all, all this stuff kind of organized randomly. My thoughts. I need to get with your lady friend, I think, for Christmas. We need to get you one of those traveling file folders where you can like, tab everything. I probably would be really yeah. good with that. That's yeah. what, like, uh, I think football coaches have those. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they have, your football coach come up with random here's thoughts. My third down, here's my third down, here's my third yeah. longs, my, my third and shorts. Yeah, try to organize it. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Red I'm, zone stuff. I'm with you on that, man. And I carry, a, I carry a bag with me all the time. I carry basically a man purse, mm-hmm. a merse, whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? And I as do. I have stated before, I have had a chicken sandwich out of Rod's bag Dude, before. Just <laughs> like just like Mama. I got candy in there, all kind of stuff, goodies. You know what I mean? Well, we got yeah, goodies yeah. for everybody today because this is an edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I'm Jeff Howe. It's weird, man. When, when the Blitz doesn't come out on time, man, people start panicking a little bit, getting Twitter messages and messages on the message board. Like, like, hey, questions. hey, where's Understandably, last time we disappeared out of nowhere, we're, so uh, that does make sense. We're, 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 we're good. We're, we're recording. We, just, we, had to, we had to source some things out. Uh, Rod had a meeting yesterday. I use that term loosely. I did have a meeting, yeah. Because, it wasn't uh, really like, yeah, well, I had to make a presentation. It was, yeah. So I couldn't <laughs> do the show. Jeff helped me out, and I appreciate it. Sounds very formal. Me. I yeah. did two hours of the Rodcast oh, on, on Wednesday. So Wednesday, our normal recording day, we weren't able to get in studio. Actually, Tuesday's our normal Tuesday. recording day, yeah, right? we had We yeah. had several. We had scheduling comps. all running together. Yeah, but anyway. Anyway, we're here. Uh, today is Thursday, so we're not going to talk a ton about uh, Deshaun Elliott and Michael Dixon being up uh, for the Jim Thorpe and the Ray Guy Award, respectively, mm. because by the time everybody listens to this podcast, those awards will have handed out. This is true. Um, but we will talk about Longhorn football. Since we last convened, Texas does have a bowl opponent and a bowl mm-hmm. destination. It is the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. It is on December 27th in Rod's hometown of Houston, Texas. H-Town. At NRG Stadium against the Missouri Tigers, former Big 12 team, now in the SEC East, and we'll talk a little bit about Texas and Missouri today, but we've got a couple more shows to do that. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. No longer the man behind the glass, the man who sits across from me directly. Uh, I don't know if he wants to get too deep into his record day of fantasy sports this week, but uh, let's just say he had a hell of a day, uh, and that is Matt Butler. Yes, DraftKings, it was a good day yesterday. I always played some of their big tournaments and got to take down some GPPs, which was really big, but yeah, overall, looking at uh, the bowl game, like you were saying, taking on Missouri. I learned a lot about Missouri that I didn't realized I knew nothing. I didn't even know who this Barry Odom guy is. Like, I, yeah. they just disappeared off the coach. earth for a while. Yep. But yeah, I learned a lot about Missouri when I realized Texas was playing. I was like, well, once again, it's just mirroring that first season. Uh, Charlie Strong, as you would go with the same record, the same bowl, got an SEC opponent, and now even a former history, a former conference opponent. So, be all right, bowl game. But other than that, uh, had a history lesson on Missouri. It's a bowl game, though. At least Texas is is playing in the postseason. <laughs> That's actually the same thing that um, uh, the, the Greg Finvis said. He literally was like, I think they asked him about it, and he was like, hey, I'm just kind of happy we're in the bowl game, honestly. Like, I mean, I, I'm just paraphrasing, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, I'm happy we're playing in the postseason, period. So, yeah, I think a lot of Logan fans, at least me, I'm like, man, at least we're playing in the postseason. I mean, that's a that's a yeah. good thing to guys. That's progress. Trust me, we'll complain about all the stuff we have to complain about, but bowl, that's progress. Bowl practices mm-hmm. going bowl on practices. Right now, yeah, huge. Um, a man who, yeah. once upon a time, left 
the 40 acres, but uh, he left after exhausting all of his eligibility. This is true. A, a lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. If he had his T-ring, he would wear it proudly. He is a card-carrying member of DBU nonetheless. Number 21 in your program, but number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you, brother, for the intro. Uh, no it. problem, Rod. And uh, let's go ahead, Matt, since you brought it up, and I mentioned Terry Beckner Jr., let's talk about this matchup, Texas and Missouri. Uh, Missouri, if you look at it, Matt, the other parallel, and I don't know if you mentioned this, you mentioned the 6-6 six and six record for Texas and mm-hmm. the SEC opponent, but like Arkansas was in 2014, Missouri's coming into this bowl game as one of the hottest teams in the country. That's right. Now, you can look at that two ways. One, they beat up on a lot of SEC East teams that are making coaching changes. <laughs> they beat the brakes off Florida. It was like the the play Missouri lose to them and get fired to her. Like Butch Jones loses big to Missouri, he gets fired. Dan Mullen, I mean uh, Jim McElwain loses big to Missouri, he gets fired. Brett Bielema loses to Missouri, he gets fired. Whole yeah. SEC, it's just like yeah, that SEC West is a powerhouse, and right now it's sort of like remember when the Big Twelve South and the Big Twelve North was disproportionate, or you've had different times like when they started the Legends and Leaders side, and then you end up having Urban and Harbaugh kick everybody's. But it's just weird, like you've seen these conferences. If you get a couple powers, it can just annihilate a whole nother half of a conference. Yeah, it's interesting that I think some schools um, just kind of have a stigma that it, maybe it's a standard for other schools and a stigma for others that you're not supposed to lose to certain schools and you're not supposed – certain schools don't beat these schools. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Charlie Strong loses to Kansas, you're out, bro, done. Mm-hmm. We don't lose to Kansas. It used to be that case for Baylor. Remember, before Mac Brown, all the coaches prior you to him to who had been ousted at Texas <laughs> had lost to Bay. I think like – the, the, the previous three yeah. had lost to Baylor the year they were fired. He's like, no, we don't lose to Baylor, though. You're out. So, you know, I think it's kind of the landscape changing in college football. We've seen this even from the coaching carousel to recruiting. Things are changing, man. Like, the, the schools that used to be able to uh, have that clout and be kind of shot callers when I was a, a young teenager coming out and being recruited, they're really not the same. Oh, yeah. Tennessee's you know I mean? like Nebraska. Tennessee. No, but, you know? That's Nebraska from a decade ago where you've had powers and then it's like almost a delusion yeah. with the the tradition and the locality because when you are inside something you can't see it for what it is and how you're viewed yeah. from the outside so you have this idea and I mean Texas fans had a lesser identity of it that we're Texas we can do whatever we want we're just going to rebuild now Texas isn't nearly as bad of a drop off and luckily we have some well, geographic advantages being in the state great weather great city things that these other schools like say Nebraska or Tennessee had the traditional power but now if you have no other reason to come there and then you're detached by a generation or two from success, it's hard to ever be able to re-spark it. And now Texas got lucky. We're always going to have kids coming out of the state and Texas keep it going. All right, break time on the show, but when we come back, it's more Texas football talk as we look back at the regular season and start looking ahead to the Texas Bowl against Missouri. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Once again, Jeff Howe. Rod, when you look at this Missouri offense, they do lose Josh Heupel to Central Florida, who's now going there to be the head coach. And I've got something on that in a minute, something bizarre. But Josh Heupel leaves, but this is a Missouri offense. You know they've got st- skilled talent with guys like Jamon Moore, a Houston kid, out of wide receiver, and then Drew Locke, who is a legit NFL prospect at quarterback. Just when you think you're done seeing NFL guys, and you look at the guys Texas has seen this year with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph and all these other great quarterbacks, now you're going to face another guy that's got legit first round potential and Drew Locke and a guy Rod and this leads us into the discussion about the Texas defense with what they won't have you're talking about a Missouri team that loves to throw the football vertically they love the deep ball they live off the deep ball Drew Locke I think is averaging over 16 yards of completion so when you look at what Missouri does with what Texas doesn't have it's a matchup that I don't like on paper for Texas Uh, in a secondary without Holton Hill and Deshaun Elliott um, no I agree with you and um, obviously we don't know what's up with Malik Jefferson yet, so there's still something that's up in the air. Uh, like I said, I mean, I, I brought this up earlier in the year, and I think Lohan fans was upset with me when I brought it up, but 
I was like, well, I'm just talking about the reality of what's going to happen. When you lose that much talent, I talked to Craig Way about it. Uh, and other than Bill Little, I don't know who more, who is more of a longhorn football historian than Craig Way or Bill Little. And I was like, have you seen a mass exodus like this from the University of Texas? Like, when does it happen? Like, you know, I, I compared it to 2005, maybe, but you're bookending that with a Rose Bowl appearance in 2004 and then another double digit win season in 2006. I don't know if that's comparable. And he's like, I don't think you've ever seen anything like this. I, and to my calculation, Texas has lost, I want to say, 10 players in the history of Texas football who have declared early for the NFL draft mm-hmm. prior to 2017. And I think they already have had three now. Yeah. And potentially there are going to be more. And I, so I agree. I think the biggest issue is I think Texas could beat a Missouri. No question about it, especially what Todd Orlando's doing. But with the mass exodus of talent that you're seeing on the defensive side of the ball, which could be like any un, unlike anything we've ever seen on the 40 acres, this will be the test for Todd Orlando. And I know we love Todd Orlando, but I said the same thing earlier this year about Manny Diaz and Vance Befford. And I had done the research. Those guys lost a ton of talent after that first year. And their numbers are very comparable to Todd Orlando's defense this right. year. Mm-hmm. They are right on par. They're right there. Right. Honestly, you, you can argue Todd Orlando's defense is more talented than those defenses were. But after that first year for Manny Diaz in 2011, he loses Manny Acho. He loses Keenan Robinson to NFL linebackers. Keaston Randall. He loses Keaston Randall. He loses Blake Gideon. Mm-hmm. And that defense falls off a cliff the next year. Manny Diaz is not a bad defensive coordinator. He's a, he's a Brawls Award finalist this year for the best assistants in the country. So he's not a, he's not an idiot. He's not a football imbecile mm-hmm. like people claimed him to be <laughs> his last two years on the 40 acres. Okay? He just lost a ton of talent. And defense ain't like offense, man. You and- gotta have talent to play defense. You can't have some Baylor uh, two-star recruits and have a great scheme and end up scoring a lot of points. And I, I like Texas Tech. It don't work that way on defense. The only way to play good defense is to have talent. You give me one defensive coordinator in the country right now who's playing really great defense with a scheme and not a lot of great talent. You're don't right. work like that, It's dog. offense. Offense works Offense is the only way that works like that because it's execution. Systems. It's something else altogether. All right? So you got to have talent to play defense. And Manny Diaz, uh, he lost a lot of talent. Same thing with Vance Bedford. All right? He loses Quandre Diggs, loses Mikael Tom, loses Jordan Hicks. He loses Malcolm um, Brown. Yeah, Malcolm Brown, of course, on the defensive line, That's which I think is the even, you know, Puna Ford, maybe the most important player on the defensive side so of the ball. Um, you know, he obviously, yeah, he, he loses so much talent over there. Steve Edmond, we talked about him. He loses so much talent that he's unable to teach or, or at least implement his system with those younger guys quick enough. Now, I will say this. I like Tartalando more than I like, at this point, their fir- after their first year, I like him more than I like Vance Bedford or Manny Diaz after their first year. That's a good compliment. I think he's done a great job of being able to adapt that defense to the Big 12 culture of offense. But you can't play defense without talent. Right. And he's going to lose his top three, top like three of his top five best players on defense. Man, that is tough. Now, in his bowl game, he'll have Puna Ford, who I believe is the most important defensive player on that defense. So that's good. He's got reserves. He's got Gary Johnson. He's got guys in that secondary. Brendan Jones may play in the bowl game. So he's got, but the true test will come after all those guys leave. And I'm telling local fans right now, just to warn you, all right? right? Can't play defense without talent. And Texas may have the biggest mass exit of talent on one side of the ball they've ever had in the history of the program. Yeah. Yeah. So be prepared. Right. Let me throw this out there, though, Rod. And I'm not saying that it would have made that much of a difference, but let me just kind of play, not really even devil's advocate. Let me just want to throw this out there. Take that 2012 defense, and let's say Jordan Hicks doesn't get hurt and plays the whole year. Let's take that 2015 defense and say you've got a healthy Hassan Ridgeway the whole year. Okay. Does help. it fall off of a cliff as much as it does? Well, well that's man, can more you talent. say that, though? That in every well, football just a little program, more you have no, those I guys get, get hurt. I get like, it. Connor Williams gets hurt. But you're oh, talking about. Down. But you're so, talking. We're, we're talking about. Butts, candies, and nuts. Right. But you're talking about. You're talking about defense. But no, but you're right. And then it would just be that, yeah, you're adding one talented piece to replace six of them. So, yeah, it could make it a little better, but I don't think it would make it Man. much better, you know, because you have okay, to have a copious what amount is, of what talent. Is, how much of a difference do you think it would have made? It all depends on the position. It all depends yep. on the, One piece the wouldn't matter that because much. Because when you talk about Ridgeway probably made a huge difference. Because I, I think the— When he said, was healthy I, in 15, I think they Puna were good. Ford was the most important defensive player this year. I think he was more important than Malik. I think he was more important than Deshaun Elliott or Houghton Hill. I'll make that argument, and I think I can prove it statistically mm-hmm. uh, because of the domino effect of that type. You need a, that 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 nose tackle in a 3-4 defense like Tartalando plays, right. and they're becoming more and more of a rarity in Texas to be to find guys that can play like that yeah. and lose it. I can find another Malik. I know it's tough, but I can find me a fast, speedy linebacker that kind of fits right. those dimensions. Deshaun Elliott, Houghton Hill, I can find guys. That, it's hard to find guys that can. If you fit the dimensions of playing a 3-4 nose tackle, that's great. Still don't mean you can play it. Right. Still don't mean yeah. you 
actually knew how to play it, and he actually knew how to play it well right. so, to actually demand a double team. So my point being, I think Hassan Ridgeway would have played a great role, but man, I, I, I don't know if any of those guys would have been able to cushion the blow of... Because those defenses were so bad. Yeah. They, they were so, so bad. So they were, they fell and off a cliff. You had first that's round. That's the talent drop-off. Off. was on that, what, that 2012 defense? Yeah. That defense looked terrible. You had a young... The first rounder. A, a, a young Malcolm Brown, a young Cedric Reed. You got to have was that talent, central nervous. You're talking about experienced, all-conference, NFL-caliber talent. Experience, the Experience, yes. though. You know what I mean? Yes. Those guys had already been Chemistry. through it, man. Those guys had already played. They'd already been through the ups and downs. Growing pains. Now you're going to put in all these young guys, which is great. That means the 2018 class will probably be one of the most important classes in the history of Texas football. But, guys, it like ex- Expect growing there, pains. there is no way to be able to compensate for that losing that experienced NFL-caliber talent. Y'all have sure. like NFL players grow on trees. Hell, four years ago, we didn't have a player drafted. No. You got, now you're going to have potentially three or four guys drafted. Hell, three of them off the defense That's going to be tough, and that's Come where on, like, this transition is going to be real. I played on the defense with Corey Redding. It was me, Corey Redding. I probably played on defense with like four or five NFL guys, mm-hmm. and we were a top ten defense. Hell, man, you lose that many guys without being able to replenish it with NFL talent. Who else on this team, after all those guys leave, will be considered an NFL caliber player that will Nobody be drafted right now. after Malik leaves, after Deshaun Elliott leaves, after Hell Puna announced well, to be on level let me Let me now play devil's advocate with your scenario, Rod. I, I think the defense, it's expected. It should be expected they take a step back, that they're not as good in 18 as they were this gonna year. going to have okay. growing pains, definitely. But I think what keeps you from falling off a cliff, while it might not be NFL caliber talent, I don't think you fall off a cliff because you do have experience. You do. Look at the defensive line, especially if you get Charles Amenahu back, if you've got Chris Nelson, Brecken Hager, Charles Amenahu, Malcolm Rose. It's guys on the defensive front that have played a lot of football. I like those guys. Go to linebacker. When you're only playing two linebackers anyway, Gary Johnson played really well the second half of this year. Yes, he did. And the big thing is, what do you get out of Anthony Wheeler? Anthony Wheeler's played a lot of football, hasn't been consistently high-level football, but there's something there with Wheeler. Can you get it out of him? And the secondary, well, yeah, I'm worried about losing a Holton Hill, which I would disagree with you. I would say Holton Hill was the MVP of the defense because I just think the defense looked a hell of a lot different with Holton Hill and without Holton Hill. They replaced Holton Hill. Chris Boyd stepped up. Chris Boyd did step up, but Devontae Davis became a weakness. Yeah, he did, but he still made the plays at corner. The one, the most irreplaceable guy on that defense is Puna Ford. There's no question about it. Every other guy I can put in, it may be a drop-off, but it's not a precipitous drop-off. If Puna, if Puna Ford can't play, dude, Transforms that defense, the defense. It's a train He's wreck. talking about, because then everything. Who, who, keeps, who keeps Malik Jefferson and Gary Johnson? No, playing? I'm not disagreeing with you. you know I'm not mean? saying Puna Ford. I played on a defense in 2000 right. with Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers, and we were a top-10 defense, and it wasn't because I was an no, all-star like, starting at sophomore. This is what I don't like about these arguments. It's almost you know I mean? like y'all are saying, like, I think Puna Ford's like garbage or something. No, I'm not saying he's terrible. I'm not saying that. he wasn't valuable. I'm not saying he he's not going to be just irreplaceable. Have a different MVP than I'm he saying does. exactly. I'm just saying for this team in this season, I just so and those whatever. can both be differing opinions. Especially anyway, one games without well, think about Hill. this. This you know is I mean? really like, interesting though, because while y'all were talking about the defense, but if Will Greer maybe, doesn't play against doesn't plays against Texas, Rod, how different is it? Like that to me, that's one of those deals that we'll never know. We'll never know if yeah. Butts Kansas and Nets. We'll never know. So if you look at this defense, and we're talking about how you know after that 14 year and then going into 15, how it transformed and really had a fall up, and it's real similar to this. The thing is, is that year, what's interesting is is it could have maybe been changed if at that time, that offseason, the right decisions about the offense was also made because it maybe could have helped and maybe not made that defense look so bad. So that's where this year is interesting to see how this team reacts because we're in similar situations with the defense on both sides, and it's definitely going to have a drop-off. Charlie Strong's final flaw was at that same time also made the worst decision to not do anything about the offense. Therefore, the team was catastrophically bad which set him up for failure now going into this offseason see how because we're going to have to transition offensively too to do something to be much more improved how it's going to work out for him because that's a huge linchpin because they can both feed each other if you have a successful right. offense really going to say, change the tempo of the defense so right. that's just an intriguing thing to think about because it's a parallel that ended up maybe being the fatal flaw this same offseason for Charlie and it was two years before he was gone right well, let me just finish the point about the experience in the secondary though yes you lose Holton Hill yes you lose the Sean Elliott but you know we talked about Rod you brought up Devontae Davis if Chris Boyd comes back you've got Brandon Jones now with the season under his yeah. belt you're going to get PJ Locke back John Bonney's back there who is a serviceable player so while you lose the top end talent the point you brought up that I don't think I don't think there's a, a substitute for experience I yeah. think guys that have pl- at least played ball and at least you know what you've got now you know you can work around them you've got a 
better idea of strengths and weaknesses and, and what to do with guys. So again, if when we're looking ahead to 2018, while the defense is going to take a step back, I don't think you would find any Texas fan in their right mind who would say this defense is going to be better. It's or just as not. good. It's it's just not. It's not going to be as or good. Or even as good. But if you don't, as long as you don't fall off a cliff, near as- that's where Matt's point comes into play. How much better is this offense going to get? Which is the question that I don't really if know. If it gets worse like Charlie's offense, I don't know. It really could be and, that. And honestly, it could be more of the same next year without Connor Williams. And If we're talking about a, sim- a symbiotic relationship between all phases of the game, then if you lose Michael Dixon, hell, then what's going to happen to <laughs> right. Oh, no, exactly. you're right. You know what I mean? You're talking about arguably your best player with long ball. Day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it ain't just. So no, we're that's talk, huge. We're talking about the symbiotic relationship. No, that's the biggest. So you're going to lose Connor Williams. That's like, the no, no, MVP no, no, for no, next no. year. And let's talk about graduate transfers who right. also may leave. Right, Jake McMillan. With Terrell Cuny. And that's on the offensive line mostly. Right. Which you're supposed to have those guys come back as a luxury in the rotation. Like, I got experience. Which that's, not that's NFL a whole guys, different. But at least I got guys that have played apples, and know yeah. how to play and know what the reps are all about. Yeah. You may lose that too. So you're talking about the symbiotic thing. I'm, and I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I'm just saying we've never seen an exodus like no, this in right. Texas, dude. Right. Michael Dixon is contemplating leaving. The punter. Oh, oh yeah. The punter. I've, been, I've, I've been thinking he's gone since he was the freshman. The when I saw him, like, I said that guy's I think I may gone. leave this. So now, on, on top of all the guys leaving and just so personnel that you're going to have inexperienced against, you're like Charlie Strong, you're starting all over again, all right, with younger guys. And we ain't talking about Bouchelle either yet, because that could happen. That's on the horizon. All this other stuff. Right. But then, what's the culture there then? It is a culture that you got a lot of guys leaving. Now, I understand the guys leaving to make the money, because I'm all about that. But guys that would that would, that would choose to, to take on the real world as graduate transfers rather than play at Texas yeah. for one more year where they don't have any class, they literally can just play at Texas and chill. The punter who's dating a cheerleader, for God's sakes, who is right now a legend on the 48, because walking, talking legend <laughs> as a freaking punter. The coach won't even mention his Lime name, ball. and yet he's a punter and he's a legend. He is choosing to leave this at, in Austin and go to the NFL and punt. It's not like he's worried about injury or money or where he's going to be drafted. You're a punter. You're going to draft it in the fifth round or the fourth round or something, you know, late, you know, something like that. All right? So my thing is now I'm worried about if the punter leaves, I'm definitely worried about the culture. I'm worried about whether the culture right. change was, was too much of a culture shock for the guys that he inherited from Charlie. Not saying yeah, that's exactly. a bad thing. I think thing. it just shows that Not the saying next that's guard, a bad the thing. freshman. Not saying that's a bad thing. But it may take you longer to turn the ship around. Mm-hmm. And this is oh, getting yeah, on the right sure. track. And you, with that kind of. Charlie didn't Charlie even get to with the purge. The, ship. the purge, we all admitted, like, it was the right thing to do, Charlie. You stood by your integrity. It was great. But that set the program back a bunch. And ended up like, costing lost. him. He didn't get to everybody the benefit knows. of his freshman. Yeah, everybody knows you lost. You lost a lot with that. So my thing with, with Tom Herman is, I know he'll get more time than, than Charlie Strong, but everybody's expecting that instant turnaround. It's like, we're looking at reasons right now why it may not be an instant turnaround. We're going to be younger next year and worse maybe next year than this year. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be. And the Big 12 is competitive. As most as competitive as it's been since 2008. I think mm-hmm. the, okay, let's dissect that in a couple of different ways. <laughs> I think, Whoops, sorry. I think the top part, the top end of the Big 12 next year, TCU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, I don't think will be as good as they were this year. Oh, uh, yeah, because you lose your quarterback. I do think, yeah. though, that middle group of the conference, Iowa State, West Virginia, I think Baylor, I think those teams are going to be bad. Mm-hmm. So, while That's Texas, while you say, okay, uh, May- Baker Mayfield's gone and Mason Rudolph's Texas gone, Tech, maybe. TCU loses some stuff on defense, yeah. Yeah, Texas Tech, I think, has a chance has to, to, to be, be better. better. Because his defense is improving. Right, and we've figured out yeah. David Gibbs actually can coach some defense. Yeah, this is a good point. Um, I think that middle chunk of the I, conference, I, I, I like agree with four you. to four to eight, I think is going to be much better next year. I agree with you. Um, when you look at, I was thinking, oh, the, the roster. To me, that is Tom Herman's biggest challenge. And to me, it goes it goes beyond the per route. And you mentioned the offensive line, and that's the group I want to look at right. And when when you start looking at Tech, and I know everybody throws about the fact, you haven't had offensive line drafted since 2008. Let's mm-hmm. forget Finally that. Finally over. Let's that don't change. Let's forget, it's finally let's forget over that. A decade. Let's just, but let's forget that, that for a minute. It's amazing. It was right. a decade. But let's it's just official. forget that for a minute. Just for, let's just throw that out. Go. I go <laughs> back to 2006, and there was an offensive line class there with like Buck Burnett and Jamarcus oh Webb, and it was a talented class. But all those guys either washed out or transferred out or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. one. So the position the you were in the following year, because remember that 2006 offensive line might have been the best offensive line in school history. When you talk about Tony Hills, Casey Studdard, Lyle Sunline, Justin Blaylock, all of the damn offensive line. Yeah, all mm-hmm. guys who were recruited by one. Coach, but uh, coached by another. Right, they recruited by Nunes, and McWhorter came in mm-hmm. my senior year in 2002 to split duties with Tim Nunes, which we all knew like oh, that's the beginning yeah. of the end. Yeah. And then 2003, I believe, was the first year that McWhorter was the Big coach. Because right. like like you know, Jeff, and you've brought it up plenty of times. Either you're a great recruiter or you're a great great coach, like a great developer of talent at the college level. It's rare to get a guy that's both. And Tim Nunes was a hell of a recruiter, but he really wasn't a great developer of talent. McWhorter could develop talent. Talent, but really wasn't a good recruiter. But together, Matt Brown was really smart. I'm like, all right, we, we got the talent on campus right now. Let me bring in this guy 
got to go down. And that's why he developed that line right. into a national championship. Good example of a delegator okay. of duties and a guy understanding right. the CEO aspect exactly way ahead right. of his time. Then you, but you get that 2007 offensive line class, and that was like the Michael Huey, Kyle Hicks, mm-hmm. Trey Allen. And because you had that one year, that gap, where you lost a bunch of talent and your freshmen who were supposed to return either didn't return or didn't pan out or whatever, then you had to play some of those true freshmen. You had to get yeah. those Playing guys ready up. to play yeah. before they weren't before they were ready. Like quarterbacks right. now. And you've never really been – and then so you get those guys in the mix and then go to 2009, which at the time everybody said, well, this is Mac's best offensive line class he's ever signed. You got pretty much nothing out of that offensive line class. That was a Thomas, that entire Ash, just class, Thomas right? Ashcraft, yeah. Peyton Kelly. That was the like, 5% uh, of us. Yeah, that was – you got nothing out of that offensive line class. Sure. And so what that did, and you took so few linemen, I think in 2008, I think they took two linemen, I think mm-hmm. something like that, Somewhere or three. There, right. And one of those was David Snow. Luke Pellman ended up being like a jumbo tight end, and Mark Buchanan never played. So when you look at really that run from 06 to 09, you got so little production and so little return on your investment on the offensive line that Texas has been in a position where you've never been able to catch up. Then go to 2013. You got Donald Hawkins and Mason Walters, and you finally had a vet. That 2013 offensive line was a veteran offensive line. Mm-hmm. And then you figure, okay, now you've got this offensive line class. Now you can really start building something. Darius James transfers out. Yeah. Jake Rollerson transfers out. Desmond Harrison was Sasquatch. We'd heard about him, but we never really saw him. Now he's in the damn senior bowl. Mm-hmm. Desmond Harrison's going to so go play the senior talented. bowl. Right. Yeah. And the only guy that you got any value out of on that offensive line class was Kent Perkins, who you had to rush and who play before he was playing in the league right now. And played before he was ready yeah. and didn't get a chance to get fully developed. Yep. So you've never been able to catch up. And now you look at the offensive line now. Now you've had to you've had to rush Derek Kerstetter. You're going to end up playing Sam Cosby before he's yeah. ready. So, Rod, when people talk about the offensive line and developing talent and having experience, it is not like a one cycle fix. Well, let's load up with JUCOs and grad transfers and let's go get this offensive line fixed. Mm-hmm. This is a multi year, multi cycle issue Tom Herman's going to have to fix. And even then, even when you get the bodies, you still got to develop them. So yeah, you no, you won't so know for years different. down exactly, the road what the return on your investment is. These recruits be. are viewed as individual offensive linemen, yet they, when they come here, they aren't asked to be individual linemen. They're asked to be an offensive line, a unit of five that works exactly well together. Right. So when you have to, like you were saying, oh, let's go grab a JUCO and a freshman and they're top recruits and they're going to work. It's like, they don't even know each other. These two humans never even met. They got to start working together, figure out what strengths, what weaknesses the coach has to understand. There's so much depth involved to it that like those are the type of things that you really have to think like that group then is the epicenter for the whole offense. So there's so much of that second level of chemistry and just then teamwork and then repetition. So that's why we're saying that when you're always trying to catch up or replace somebody, you're never going to be that cohesive unit. And it's also, it's a great point. I think both of you guys bring up really good points, but and and, and Casey Studdard, I was talking to him uh, a couple of weekends uh, ago, Texas Lyle, Tech man. weekend, and he actually brought up something that blew my mind, that in 2004, Greg Davis was rotating different offensive lines with different quarterbacks. Yeah. So Chance Mock had his own O-line, and Vince Young had a different O-line. In and 03, it was like, and it was based K-State on, game. yeah, because things, things were a little bit different in terms of the play zone calling, blocking. what they wanted to do uh, right. with different quarterbacks, which makes sense yeah. when you break it down. Transitioning but to zone that's another thing that and Matt's talking about. You're talking about chemistry and continuity on the offensive line. Hell, even with the quarterback you have. And that's another thing about Tom Herman he's got to figure out, too, is he wants to – you talked about the you know the the, 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 the the rate of development with offensive linemen and how that's broken up and discontinued to a certain extent with guys transferring and having to play guys too early before you develop them. Same thing at quarterback. He's just trying to end that at quarterback, too. That's why he's bringing in two quarterbacks in the 2018 class, Cameron Rising and Casey Thompson, and he wants to redshirt both of them. You know what I mean? But now with the potential of a guy like Shane Bouchot transferring, Texas is going to end up in the same quarterback hell that they've yeah. been in for the last seven years because you got to play too many quarterbacks too early. A lot of these positions on offense, because of these systems that guys are bringing in, they do need that kind of year, all right, of kind of development, just kind of sit and watch and um, really, really, really get themselves kind of meshed with the system and, and combine their skill set with that system. And another thing, you guys bring up the offensive line, I think that, you know, you wasted a year, not, and not that Tom Herman it wasted it intentionally, but if all these guys transfer, like, um, you know, Terrell Cuny and you, you end up having, you know, uh, different Jake McMillan end up transferring. I think there's some other guys potentially on the offensive line. Alex Anderson's have, gone, but Anderson didn't play that much. Yeah, exactly. But you wasted a year of giving those guys reps because those reps are supposed to carry over to next year when you're building your rotation of linemen so you can stop the cycle mm-hmm. of playing guys too early. And now the cycle's going to continue because these guys are jumping. <laughs> that shit. was my That's argument. just why you're hoping that this group Damn. is able to grow together. The way that we saw Herman's group with Ezekiel and that, that freshman class at Ohio State grow together. We thought Charlie was going to have a class 
cast grow together, but yeah. that splintered, and now they're all leaving early. They were as talented they're as we thought. Guys, so though, so we, it was really. the right path. We almost did it, just not able to do it. Being a Texas fan, it's like a whole decade removed. Maybe this time it's going to finally work out. Yeah. Uh, a couple things there. When you talk about the offense, Rod, and you talk about quarterback, I think the bigger issue there, the bigger picture issue, uh, Matt, you mentioned it too, with the continuity. To me, it's not so much that. It's Texas really needs to figure out what they want to be offensively and recruit to that. We got Tom Harmon's system, whatever the hell that is, is what the yeah. hell. Well, exactly. At least we finally you, get to see a class. You brought in a coach that is an offensive identity. Yeah. That's the frustrating thing about all this. It's like, dude, we have an offensive identity crisis on the 40 acres since Colt McCoy left. We bring in one of the great, best offensive minds in college football to help solve the offensive identity crisis, and we have a defensive identity as a team, not an offensive identity. Like, what the hell is going on? Right. Did we get a hustle? No, like, I think you, the parts you know just I mean? didn't fit. Are you the I wizard the behind the curtain who really is like some, you know, miniature random dude and not really, you know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> kind of, that, well, that's the Stonehorn fans right now, their frustration is like, well, well, why didn't Tom Herman just go, all right, guys, I got this. Let me, let, 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 I won't take over the offense, but I'll start basically sitting in every meeting. I'll approve every player. Because a lot of this is on Tom Herman, man. Tom Herman's right. watching this happen yeah. and he can't do anything. That's frustrating. Yeah. So you've got, they've got to figure out exactly who they want to be. You can't, you can't try to be, well, we want to be this. No, figure out what you want to be and recruit to that. I agree. And let the chips fall where they may. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But yeah. at least, at least you've got, at least I can see what your vision is. Yep. Right now, I don't know what the vision is on offense. Couldn't tell you. Nobody does. Especially with the quarterbacks they're recruiting like, oh, you know, you, you, you inherited Sam Thompson. Ellinger. Yeah. Casey Thompson's kind of more of a dual threat guy. Cameron Rice is more of a pro style guy. Do, do you want an athlete? And then you got well, Shane Bouchelle and Sam Ellinger and all then over again. You go to 2000, <laughs> you go to 2019. Maybe that's what he wants. You, that's you, probably what he wants. You go to 2019 <laughs> and, and you got a guy in Roshan Johnson who looks like Greg Ward, like dynamic athlete, rocket arm. And it's like, uh, well, we'll you can put Gerard Hurd at quarterback and hey, do that. But let, me, like, uh, let me just say, think yeah. about the first thought in my mind because I haven't followed recruiting like I used to. And that makes me feel like he believes in quarterback versatility that like you made in modern game but, not even afford. Now, yeah. I agree. This is, it might be a flawed system. That's just what I'm thinking. Okay, all right. I, I'm not saying it's smart. I'm just thinking but, that he's like, guys, man, we need to grab what we can get. big complaint about Tom Herman's offense so far? And we haven't seen the whole thing because personnel-wise, uh, that is that has really hindered his ability to implement the offense, but that his, he's such a Mensa guy, and he's so smart. We all know. Tom Herman is a smarter football guy than all of us. We all yes. agree with that. All right? He sees things that we don't see. Right. But his offense lacks common sense. Like It's like, man, and I hope the recruiting doesn't lack the common sense of the offense because they're just simple things. We pray, we've stayed on offense. I, I got a list of them I can bring out here somewhere. It's like, well, why, did, why did you wait so long to do that? You brought up, I, I read a column on Horns 24-7. You brought up the running back. Like, why did it take him so long to do the running backs? Like, what took you so long with that? You know what I mean? Like, you're a wide receiver, reverse passes in the red zone. It's like, bro, a little that, is, Brian that is so smart, it's stupid. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's sort of the then, same criticisms we had of Harson at the time. Yeah, and then you do it with John Burt and not Gerard Hearn. It's like, what, man, you're somebody, you know what I mean? Like, hey, you're at the two-yard line, you got a 250 pound running back. You think you might just put a fullback in there, like a, a fullback says H-back, and say, you know what, let's run downhill behind our first-round offensive tackle, and let's just go, and the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Like, common sense stuff is you throw that You throw that red zone back shoulder throw to Devin Duvernay instead of your 6'6 wide receiver with the ridiculous catch <laughs> radius who's watching on the bench. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, All right, we'll take a break right now, but on the other side, we're going to talk about the Texas regular season a little bit more and look at the frustration some fans might be feeling. Is it legitimate? Is it justified? We'll break all that down when we come back on Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. Rod, I'm trying to pull it up. The internet's not cooperating. To your point about the wide receiver rotation, I've got pro football focus data in front of me because oh, you know, we've got it's the, been all over the, the partnership with the pro football focus. You realize there were nine receivers that played at least 184 snaps this year. That's impressive. Is that is it? Well, I'm saying is on depth. Is well, it impressive? Oh, so here, let is me it impressive? let me get into this. It's going to be a little is nerdy, it? but if you look at the numbers, so right now, if you are on the front end, it's what teams like say Brooklyn's doing, what Phoenix is doing. If you know you aren't going to win a championship and then you were in this for a year or two there's no reason to put so many snaps or blows on a body it's the same reason that you have a limited amount of minutes you have a limited amount of snaps if you know that you aren't going to be winning a championship this year and say by the mid part of the season you're at that point where you are sort of going long term the more about of snaps that you disperse around is going to only limit the chances of injury in those future years and it's going to be guys that then are going to be able to learn in more special 
specialized roles that may be ones that fit them better. So that's just a thing that I've seen across all of football or or all of basketball, all of baseball. You see it with bullpens. You see it same with football with different positions, even with pass rushers. Now it's infiltrating out. At first was only with pass rushers or what you said about linemen. Now it's dispersed out to skill position guys that they're going to end up doing that with young teams when you can't win because there's no reason to overload it because it can actually even directly correlate to injuries in addition to other things. Okay. No, no, no. Makes sense. Yep. Actually, that's a really good breakdown. It's I will admit, stuff. I, I actually, that's, a, I, that's, if you're thinking new age, I yes. agree with that. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going more with find their best players and yes, just exactly. try, to, football. Yeah. try to force feed them the football. But maybe Tom Herman's on, like I said. I think Tom he is. Herman, he, I think he's, he's on that. He's thinking more that's of a macro thing. than I'm thinking. That and I totally get that. Style, we yeah. are, we are, can't see the forest for the trees. He's supposed to be able to see the forest. It's a huge analytics movement. They do that across all platforms. No, I like that. I like that. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I would just rather find the best guys and make sure my best guys. Are <laughs> but I mean, no, they're sort of doing that right without now, risk. He may not know no who his best guys are. Let's give him that. Set give us more data know. points. So he's study. trying to figure that out. Number one, Limit and also, injury. like you said, he's he's basically building. He's building even more depth. Like he's yes. all these guys are getting quality reps. So it's kind of, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I feel that right. But not to say it's right. No, just saying to explain the thinking, explain the rationale. I guess. Like, nobody knows if it's right. We'll know if it's right in years yeah. and years and years. It's the same way you look back. It's like, damn, we shouldn't have been smoking around babies. Huh? Like, why did Lorenzo, like, why did Lorenzo Joe need <laughs> his... He's pretty obvious right <laughs> now you shouldn't have been smoking around like, babies. why did Lorenzo right. Joe yes, need as many reps as Lil Jordan Humphrey or in the ballpark? Uh, no Because it's Lorenzo preserving Joe. those guys for the yeah, long term. Uh, not I, overworking Jordan Humphrey when he's too young and his body's not ready. Yeah, no, I I, I am with... I, I, I saw more with Jeff on this. I think that's football. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's football in a nutshell. Like, Agreed. I really think you have to find... That they are guys that are just better players than other guys. You have to find a way to get them to football. And the offense has been more productive when you get certain guys to football. It's just Man, I'm not, I'm not. Like, say what you want about Armonte Foreman. I don't know if they like each other. I know they don't like each other. If Armonte Foreman was a junior, hell, he transferred this year. So mm-hmm. he gets somewhere yes. else. That's how much he dislikes Sam Herman and vice versa. But he he, he makes plays. It's mm, pretty obvious when you good. get that guy the football. I haven't seen the metrics. They broke it down. But I test alone, that guy gets the football. He makes a ton of plays. Hell, he even gotten the football a lot. And he's made plays with a few opportunities that he's gotten. He's one of the guys you're like, yeah, we should try to force feed him the football a little bit more. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. Colin Johnson, not the guy. They don't do yes. that. No, I just want to say again, Matt, I'm not I'm not crapping on your point. Um, to me, it's just, and, and I respect the analytical view. I do. I just think if Tom Herman's looking at it that way, I just think that's overcooking your bacon a little bit. It's like you said, well, what's, what's your great quote? Football's, Football's a simple a game? simple game made complicated by simple men. It's like, why you always thinking this, man? That guy's better than the other guy. That guy can win in one-on-one coverage. That guy is fast. And that's why people have different life philosophies and religions and it's everything else. Point. If you believe in one thing, other people believe in another, and then you happen to be in the same country or in the same damn sport, you, now damn they're you, clashing man. opinions, and we'll would see what changes. Damn you for making like, a damn good analogy there. Damn you, sir. Would you guys like the snap distribution at wide receiver? This is per, pro football focus. Well, I would like that. Um, I'll actually give you the snaps. I'll, I'll do one better. I will give you the snaps on passing play, because I think that gives you a more accurate pick. So give me just a sec. Snaps on passing plays. Colin Johnson. Well, actually, it, it evens out a little I gotta bit. i got to write this down. This is good information. On passing plays in the mid in the middle is where it gets muddled up. Uh, Rod, I'll go. I'll wait till you get pin here. I got a pin here. Reach in, reach Here's in your pin. purse and get a pin. Yeah. Go, okay. Go. This is snaps on passing plays. Uh, Colin Johnson four twenty seven. <laughs> Lil Jordan Humphrey three twenty two. Lorenzo Joe two sixty three. Reggie Hempel Maps two twelve. Devin Duvernay one ninety four. Oh. Amani Foreman one fifty seven. Dorian Leonard one thirty two. Gerard Hurd one twenty five. And John Burt one twenty four. Okay. So, Colin Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey were the top three. And then, what would you say? Who, who was behind? Lorenzo Lojo at 263. Okay. Okay, so those are the top three. Interesting. I would I would not have thought Lojo would have been that high. They like Lojo. They do, and, and Dorian Leonard's got uh, a lot of snaps in there. But I don't know, man. I would just take some of those reps and give them to give LJ Humphrey more. I would like to see LJ Humphrey be closer to 400. I agree with you. Reggie Hempel maps to be hell, a hell of a lot more than 212. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just. I agree like with you. I respect yeah, yeah. the analytical view, but I think there's also something to be said. And how many for Dorian Leonard have? 132. Yeah. I'm to your point, Rod, going back to the preseason, Dorian Leonard had more snaps on pass routes than Gerard Hurd did. Crazy. And Armonte Foreman only had 157, but led the team in receiving touchdowns. And I will get you their grades as receivers. From yeah, I mean that to me. Well. And it's like I love analytics, man. I'm a huge fan of data and stats. Hell, Sashi Brown. That's so why I like PFF because it takes like all the biases out. It's just boom. Here's the numbers. Here's, here's the numbers. So would you, raw numbers. So would you like to know the most productive?
active receivers based on their PFF grades as receivers. Give it to me. Uh, Colin Johnson, 79.8. That's the high end of average. Really? Uh, Reggie Hemphill Maps, 76.6. Amani Foreman, uh, 76.1. I can believe that. And all those guys are ranked 166th or better in the country uh, among wide receivers with those grades as pass catch. And then you've got Gerard Hurd at 72. uh, Little Jordan Humphrey at 71.1. And then it drops off Dorian Leonard at uh, 68.2. Devin DuVernay at 62.8. And then below average would be Lorenzo Joe at 58.2 and John Bird at 52.6. But your highest graded receivers are, and if I'm wrong, Colin Johnson, Reggie Hempel Maps. Maps, and Armonte Foreman. Yep. You know what I mean? I mean, that's I, in terms of snap production on pass on passing plays. And Lou Jordan Humphrey, what do you have his score? At? 71.1. I think that's going to be drops. Okay. Going to be. I because I, I I think you're you're so that may, to me that's your top four wide receivers, and it, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, right and now those are the guys you should have been trying to get the football to. Drop rate with Jordan Humphrey is what kept him below because Hempel Maps and Armani's catch rate was really high, and then Colin Johnson's catch rate was low, but that isn't all his fault, and he makes up for it in his yards per target and yeah. per catch. Colin Johnson, according to Pro Football Focus, 95 targets, 54 catches. Uh, Rod, actually, this is good Target rate too, was 21%. Uh, Colin Johnson, 95 catches on uh, 95 targets, 54 catches. Uh, Reggie Hemphill Maps, 52 targets, 38 catches. Mm, yeah. A, a that catch rate's good. Now, the main rate. one, you look at target rate, which is the main one where when you're on the field, how much are you a part of the passing game, which is the best indicator of your individual success? Colin Johnson, an amazing 21%. Now, uh, target rate of Lil Jordan at 14 and Hemphill Maps at 11 was also pretty good. Rod, Amani Foreman, uh, 41 targets, 29 catches. Uh, Amani Foreman also led all wide receivers with 10 forced missed tackles. Yeah, thing, man. It's real um, good. Right? Gerard, Gerard Hurd, 32, 32 targets, 22 catches. Matt, this goes to drop rate, I guess. Uh, Bart, just look at the numbers. Catch rate. LJ, LJ Humphrey, th- 63 targets, 39 catches. Dorian Leonard, 29 targets, 18 catches. Rod, mm-hmm. you need me to slow down or are you good? No, I'm good. Uh, this is the one that really hurts, man, because it, it doesn't show really growth. Devin Duvernay, 21 targets, 9 catches. Mm. Lorenzo Joe, 30 targets, 18 catches. John Burt, 18 targets, 11 catches. Amani Foreman with those 10 missed tackles, man, on 29 that's receptions. Gross. I mean, that's, that's well, I guess he'd get it from his, his mom or his daddy, but yeah, those Foremans know how to break some damn tackles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, uh, well, because, I mean, yeah, he, he does have a physical side. They like him on the sweeps every now and then, mm-hmm. and they'll oh, give yeah. him a handoff on those sweeps every now and then. So uh, I could see that, but I'm with you on that. So we just spent all that time talking about wide receivers, but when you look at Missouri defensively, Rod, and you look at kind of where they struggled, and, and we'll get into some of the numbers, but just off the top of my head, you know, when you give up 45 points to Arkansas, you give up 52 to Georgia, uh, you give up 51 to Auburn. Without looking at the numbers, I'm going to go ahead and guess that they struggled defending the run. Some of the yeah, yeah. SEC is tough. And, well, that that would, you would think, kind of play right into the Longhorns' uh, blueprint to win because if when they run the ball a lot, when they run the ball a ton, they win. Yeah, and we know they're not. Ellinger. Yeah, we know they're not good at it. That's just, I mean, they're not really good at anything offensively. But when they run the football, this year was they run it uh, 40 times or more. What are they like? Is they are they five and five and zero now this year? Uh, they're one in six when they don't run the ball at least forty times. So at least you know if you're going into it with a team that doesn't, you know, they don't really hold up well against the run. Hell, just find a way to run the football. Missouri, Missouri's fifty sixty uh, second, finishing sixty second in run defense. That's in uh, the ballpark of where Tech was. That's, a, that's above I think, average. I think, Tech, I think Tech was fifty eight. Oh, were they really? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. that was higher than I expected I them to be so, too. Yeah. Not in all the. I'll, and, I'll check up the, some of the metrics. And they have Missouri usually have really decent defense alignment. Listen, you're not going to have Connor Williams. So. Right. So, you know I mean? What, however effective you were running the football, that's going to take, you know, a step back. I think you will have uh, those graduate, tra- I don't know if you have all of them, the graduate transfer offense. You'll, you'll have Jake McMillan and Terrell Cooney for the bowl game. You will. There yeah. you go. So And there's a, there's a decent chance you'll get Vahe back. Tom Herman sounded optimistic they'll have Patrick Vahe back. Yeah. There you, and Elijah Rodriguez? Yeah, it sounds like it. So, you should, you know what I mean? You, yeah, I mean, I know Connor Williams leaving. That's a It's not dire straits. To be pessimistic. Mm. Yeah, but I think you're getting some, some, some crucial p- pieces back yeah. on offensive line where you should be able to at least have the goal of running the ball at least 40 times in any way, form, and fashion. And if Sam Ellinger is starting quarterback, I think you, it, you know, that both If nothing else, there. Rod, you got to take the Dallas Cowboys approach. You got to limit the exposure of your defense. Yeah, well, I would think, I would think that that would be priority number one. You know, I, I, I never, <laughs> I never hear, rarely do I hear, you know, Cowboys analysts talk about this except the guys who I feel like know what they're talking about. One of the reasons why when the Cowboys have had really good defenses, because they've had a really good run game to go with and your defense isn't getting exposed. Whether it was DeMarco Murray in 2014 or in 2016, 
getting Ezekiel Elliott, that's their blueprint to win. It always helps their defense. So I agree with you. Um, for Texas, especially now where we don't have the piece in the secondary with Houghton Hill or Sean Elliott yeah, against Drew Locke, man, that, that is still a like Big 12 offense with Missouri. It's yeah. just in the mm-hmm. SEC. They're still a Big 12 offense, though. Yeah, and in looking at their defense, too, at the rush defense, now the overall numbers are that they gave up, uh, I guess, a little bit below average. But then if we think about it in context, running up against teams like SEC East Georgia that mm-hmm. can run really well, look at stuff rate, which is the amount of times that they stuff their opponent at the line of scrimmage or behind it. They're top 10 in the nation. That's are they really? very good. See, now, go. it shows ISO PPP, which is explosivity, 122nd. So that means they've given up huge runs, which have given made those overall numbers be more. So if, say, Texas can be explosive with the young freshman running backs, then may be able to have some big chunks because 122 is horrid. But a 10th in stuff rate, 33 in opportunity rate, and 36th in defensive adjusted line yards. Those are all really good metrics overall, so it would be more so, eh, they're going to stop you 80% of the time, but those 20%, you might bust some big TDs. So hopefully you can have those running explosives. Well, exactly, which is even more reason to run it more because then yeah, you have you're going to get at the line of scrimmage. But don't abandon it. it. But so don't that's very abandoned. bad for this exactly. Texas team, actually. You get frustrated. <laughs> don't abandon it because yes, we've man, seen you that. Broke it out. What's, that, what's the explosivity rate? What is it called? ISO PPP, yeah. rushing ISO PPP yeah. defense, 120 seconds. Yeah. National average is 0.92. It's, they're at 1.09. There you go. There it's, you, go. The, the, you know, you do, we talk about abandoning the run. That was my big issue with the Maryland game and the Texas Tech game. It's like, just, man, just keep chipping away, man. Just keep just keep chopping wood. And eventually, man, the dam's going to break. It's going to break. It has to. You know? You know what I mean? Like, that's, and that's my thing. I, you, keep, I, you keep knocking that sledgehammer against the wall, man. At some point, you'll break through. But that goes to our point about self-scouting. How often are they doing it? Have yeah. they not realized that they're not an explosive offense? They don't really do anything well that all they really have to do because their defense is so good. Now, it may not be as good in that bowl game because of losses to right. defense, but your defense and your special teams with Michael Dixon can win the game for you. You know you'll have Michael Dixon for this and, game. And that, that upsets me, too, because I look at those Big 12 you know, um, uh, awards, and you have the special teams player of the year, you have the defensive player of the year, you have the defensive lineman of the year in the conference. The only unanimous defense, first-team defensive selection in the conference with Deshaun Elliott. You, so, exactly. So And then he's a Thorpe Award finalist, of course, and you only won five games in the conference? You had the best defensive players in the conference by far. Not best defense close. in the At conference. every level. Best every, defense in the conference. At every, every level, level of the defense. And the best special teams player in the conference. And you won five games. That's how bad your offense was. Yeah, because you that. were the barometer to stop Baker Mayfield. Every single broadcast That's was crazy, the Texas man. defense is the way the litmus test. If you can do what Texas did, you can limit Baker Mayfield, yet Texas still can't win. You know what I mean? Like, that's how bad that offense and was. You held, that's you where held, Charlie was at first you held too. Six, you held six opponents under 100 yards rushing. First time that's been done since 2009. Yeah. You're the first Big 12 defense since 2006 to hold every team in the league under 30 points. Yeah. yeah. No, okay, I'm with you, man. It's, uh, it's really frustrating. That's where the frustration kicks in for Texas fans. All right, guys, it is time to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven, and we will do that when we come back and close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247.com. What makes a holiday card unforgettable? Personality. And no one makes it easier or more affordable to create a holiday card full of personality than Vistaprint. Right now, get 50% off all custom holiday cards. That means 30 cards start at less than $15. With hundreds of stunning designs, your personality will shine through with every card you send. Just go to Vistaprint.com today and enter the promo code HOLIDAY to get 50% off all custom holiday cards. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code HOLIDAY. Loans are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. I was making great progress on building my savings, but then I get hit with an unexpected car repair bill. Keeping a close eye on my credit score allowed me to buy my first house, but an unexpected medical emergency set me back. When the unexpected happened, Avant was there to help. If you need to borrow $2,000 to $35,000, try Avant. It's fast, simple, and transparent. Everything is done online. There are no prepayment fees and no collateral is required. And you can instantly check your rate with no impact to your credit score. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. And now, Avant will give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your rates and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 5252 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 5252. Go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 5252. This holiday season, make the smart choice and switch to Sprint and get a new Samsung Galaxy S8, S8 Plus, Note 8, or S8 Active with 50% off your lease. That's right, the hottest Samsung device is 50% off. 
Plus, with Galaxy Forever, you can upgrade to the latest Galaxy anytime after 12 lease payments. And when you switch to Sprint, you get the best price for Unlimited. $25 per month per line for a family of four, plus get a fifth line free. That's 50% off Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. You also get 10 gigabytes of mobile hotspot in HD, so you can stream your favorite holiday movies, music, and games. So stop by your local Sprint store, Sprint.com slash Holiday Deals, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 to learn more. Requires 18-month lease and new line savings via monthly credit applied within two bills. Early termination results in remaining balance due after one thirty one nineteen. Pay $38 a line per month with auto pay. Excludes taxes, surcharges, and roaming. Compared to Verizon Beyond Unlimited rates, AT&T Unlimited Plus Plan and T-Mobile One Plus Plan for five lines. Carrier features differ. Coverage and offer not everywhere. Subject to credit and $30 activation fee. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. What makes a holiday card unforgettable? Personality. And no one makes it easier or more affordable to create a holiday card full of personality than Vistaprint. Right now, get 50% off all custom holiday cards. That means 30 cards start at less than $15. With hundreds of stunning designs, your personality will shine through with every card you send. Just go to Vistaprint.com today and enter the promo code HOLIDAY to get 50% off all custom holiday cards. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code HOLIDAY. This holiday season, make the smart choice and switch to Sprint and get a new Samsung Galaxy S8, S8 Plus, Note 8, or S8 Active with 50% off your lease. That's right, the hottest Samsung devices, 50% off. Plus, with Galaxy Forever, you can upgrade to the latest Galaxy anytime after 12 lease payments. And when you switch to Sprint, you get the best price for Unlimited. $25 per month per line for a family of four, plus get a fifth line free. That's 50% off Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. You also get 10 gigabytes of mobile hotspot in HD, so you can stream your favorite holiday movies, music, and games. So stop by your local Sprint store, Sprint.com slash Holiday Deals, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 to learn more. Requires 18-month lease and new line savings via monthly credit applied within two bills. Early termination results in remaining balance due after one thirty one nineteen. Pay $38 a line per month with auto pay. Excludes taxes, surcharges, and roaming. Compared to Verizon Beyond Unlimited rates, AT&T Unlimited Plus Plan and T-Mobile One Plus Plan for five lines. Carrier features differ. Coverage and offer not everywhere. Subject to credit and $30 activation fee. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I'm so happy, I feel like I can fly. Disclaimer, you will not be able to fly by switching to GEICO. This is against the laws of physics and nature. If you find yourself flying, please seek professional and or medical help immediately. In the unlikely event you find yourself flying, you might be a superhero or a pigeon or a superhero named Pidgewoman who was bitten by a radioactive pigeon. If you are indeed Pidgewoman, GEICO retains all licensing publishing rights in the event Pidgewoman the movie becomes a top-grossing Hollywood blockbuster. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. All right, Matt. Thank you for the time, man. Appreciate it. Hey, you're more than welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast. That's true. For all of us here at Longhorn Blitz, you can get us on iTunes, tune in, any podcast app, thanks to Matt. And Matt, everybody can get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz, search for us, you'll find us. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.